0: Um, We're going to be looking at a new series of thoughts over the next few weeks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the series of thought on the names of God. I thoroughly enjoyed um, studying and and looking into it and uh, really enjoyed um, just the thoughts that we've been sharing over the last few weeks. Uh, Today we're looking at a series of thought beginning with journeys. Um, So it's about a journey, the journey of our life, the journey of discipleship, the journey of all sorts of things. And we're going to look at that over the next few weeks because it's really important that we know that we're not meant to get saved and stuck. There is a journey that we're meant to be on, a, a progression. Uh, we may be pilgrims in this earth. We may be passing through. This may not be our final destination and final home. I thank the Lord that it's not. Um, but there is a journey in our life. And uh, the journey today we're going to look at is the journey from faith Sorry, the journey of faith from uncertainty to unshakable. And I believe it's a journey that we all need to be on uh, because all sorts of things hit us. And and the whole of this morning's worship has been geared around this thought about, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered and and the covenant and this, that and the other. And nobody knows this, but this is what I'm sharing today. Only the Lord and the Holy Spirit who who makes all things work together. Um, And I just love the way he does that, because this morning, I just trust that as we hear the word, it will be a word that imparts truth into our life. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the journey of obedience. And if you're not here, I know you really don't want to be walking in (laughs) obedience. Okay, obedience isn't anything, you know, it's a really hard thing to do, to journey and walk in obedience. Um, the following week is Saturday. We're going to meet on the Saturday. member. we're coming together as one family. Um, all the congregations are coming together on the Saturday. And then on Sunday the 23rd, we're going to look at the journey of patience and waiting. Nobody likes that one either. So we could have a really good next few weeks, but if we don't deal with these subjects, you know, we'll walk through... F- We'll walk through our journey frustrated, and not really understanding why sometimes there is faith and patience in our journey. And then on Sunday the 30th, we're going to look at the journey of discipleship. The Christian journey um, is one of learning and growing. Um, when we see, we see Paul in the Bible, really frustrated that there are elements of the church that really weren't growing or maturing and that they were having to be fed the milk of the word continually. So this morning, we're going to start with the thought, the journey of faith from uncertainty to unshakable, where we learn to walk by faith on the promises of God. That's the key to walking by faith, is to understand that we can walk upon the promises of God. Now, if you're a Christian and if you're walking with God, you'll know that almost from day one when you chose to walk with God, it wasn't all plain sailing. There's been ups and downs in the journey of your life. There's been things that come out of the blue, like a a perfect storm that suddenly hits you. And you 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 can look at the storm and be taken by surprise, or you can look to the Lord and know that in the midst of the storm, he brings a great peace. uh, So much of our Christian walk is perspective. How are we looking at the giant? Some people will say he's too big to fight. Others say he's too big to miss. That's perspective, isn't it? And if God is for me, then who can be against me? That's the key element in the journey. So the key is for, for us to walk by faith is to understand that by walking by faith, everything needs to be based on God's word. We don't live by presumption. I presume God is going to do this for me because he loves me. Will you show me where it says that in the word? That I'm presuming God will do this, and I'm presuming... See, God's... Lord, your will be done as it is in heaven. Let it be so here on earth. We've got to be walking in his will and in his ways, and then we can have confidence in the promises rather than presumption. We, none of us should walk with presumption, Okay. But faith in the promises of God. I'd like to look again at the life of Abraham. We've looked at Abraham numerous times over the last few weeks. Um, it, was the, it was the hearing of a study on the life of Abraham that totally changed the journey of my Christian walk. I I had attended church, sorry. I was sent to church about four years, when I was four years, five years old. Mum and dad wanted a quiet morning on Sunday and boof, off to church. That's a long time ago, mum, you probably don't remember. But anyway, <laughs> off we went to church. The two little dwarf ladies who taught us in kids' church, they were amazing. It was West End Gospel Chapel. Mum and dad didn't go there, but was—we, me and Pete did. And then we journeyed from there, and we went to Boys Brigade in the Methodist Church, and then we went to Fairham Baptist Church. That's where the journey of mum and dad and the family as a whole started to go to church. Did I really have a walk with God? No, the church there had this huge wall, three times as high as what this is, and it was full of stars, and I would just count the stars as as an eight-year-old kid, just, I'm bored out of my brains. And and it meant nothing to me. Church meant nothing to me. Me and my brother used to go in the car park during communion and throw stones at each other. Oh, Caroline's dad is in in the room. Her dad, we happened to throw a stone straight through his rear window um, and got into big trouble by my mum and dad because it happens to be my dad's boss. (laughs) So, you know, the journey of faith really, you know, I had faith that I wouldn't get caught, but I did. (laughs) Presumption. Anyway, uh, my journey of faith, my journey with my walk with God absolutely meant nothing. Then I I arrived at uh, gospel, Brockhurst Baptist Church in gospel. At that point in Brockhurst Baptist, I I began to understand more of the principles of God and uh, I I didn't really, I didn't do anything for me and so what if God did this for that and God did this for somebody else. He, He hasn't done it for me. <laughs> see that 's where the rubber hits the road when, when you see God do something for you when you pray, and he hears and he answers, and then all of a sudden, your life comes alive to God, but at nothing at age sixteen, I, I get baptized um, there 's this wonderful baptismal service. God draws my heart, and I realize there was so much I need forgiveness of at the age of sixteen, and I went forward at the end of the service, and I got baptized. And then my life went off the rails big time. And it's like there was no depth. There was, it was like the, the birds of the air came and pecked the seed from the hard, stony ground of my heart. And then I was on this strange wilderness journey of my life in the pubs, the nightclubs, and all the rest of it, doing what I was doing, living a crazy, silly life. And then I walked into a church, obviously, where I've met Jane, and, and many of you know that story. But it was then that there was a couple of guys who came to the church. I'd like to think one of them is Charles. Do you remember two guys? Two black guys came to the church. Alan, do you remember the two, two guys? No, they came. No, it was two guys visiting from some other nation. Charles Sarpon, that sounds right. And he came into the church. And he took, he took numerous people out on the streets, down High Street, to witness. It was at it was that point in fear and trepidation. I went down the High Street, not really having a relationship with God, to tell others about God. It's like, this is weird. And as I walked down the High Street with these two other guys and numerous other people... I felt a stirring in my heart that, God, if you don't do something, somebody's likely to recognize me and hit me because of the pubs and the nightclubs and all the rest of the stupid stuff that I was in. And it was like in this moment, Lord, help me. Give me boldness. Give me, give me protection. Do something, Lord. You've got to move. And we went down. We did this witnessing down the high street, and then we went back to the church And then he said, if anyone needs to be filled, I don't know if it it might be in the wrong way around, but he said, if anyone needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll pray right now. My life changed and I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. I remember being prayed for the Holy Spirit once. It wasn't in that meeting and the guy laid hands on me, and I got pushed all around the room until I hit the wall, and I couldn't go any further, and he carried on pushing me, and I kept on going down the wall. It's like, and I'm looking at my brother thinking, what's just happened to me? Because nothing had, but when the Spirit of God moves, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, something changes deep on the inside forever. And at that moment when Charles prayed, it was like I knew at that moment God had touched my life. In that, it, see, it's a, life is a journey. You may have brought, been brought up in a Christian home and, and you have just gone through the, the cycle of coming to church and being part of the church family and being part of what your mum and dad have been a part of. You may have just come in randomly off the street not knowing anything really about God. Your life is on a journey. And depending on what you do with this journey will depend on whether you grow and mature in the spiritual things that God wants for you because he has a purpose and a plan for you. Not my purpose, not my plan, but he has a plan for you. It is a plan that will unfold as you walk by faith and trust him. And exactly the same thing happened in the life of Abraham. Abraham. Abraham, before he became Abraham, he was Abram. You've heard me go through this one before. His father was Terah. Terah, not, not, not you little Terah, but Terah was a, was a heathen foreign worshiper of foreign gods. So Abram had no real relationship or understanding of the one true God because he knew what his father grew up with what he was grown up with and all of a sudden God gets a hold of his life and says I want you to do something will you do this for me and I tell you in some senses that's that moment of salvation where you say God I love you I thank you and God is saying I've been waiting for this moment and embraces us into his relationship and then he says now would you go Jeremiah turned around and said, here I am, Lord, send me. The call of God upon, is upon your life. The call the call may be to pray. The call may be to witness. The call may be to be, be amazing at admin, but be a, a, a support to what admin goes on in church life. Your call may be you are a spickum, spankum toilet cleaner, and you just love clean toilets. Whatever the call whatever you've been called to do, let's do it with all of our heart. Because I, I think when God calls you to do something, he asks us to do it with all our ability. Amen. You may be a worship leader, or you may be a, a person who's, Was Danny? Danny, when you first started playing the keyboard, it was like, turn this down so nobody hears me. <laughs> but now I hear it being played. Why is that? Because you've walked the journey. It's, the journey starts small, but it enlarges as we, by faith, continue. I, I want to get to where Abraham. See, we've got to, where am I? I don't even, where's the scripture? Sorry. Sorry. Um, here we go. Genesis. This is where the journey of faith for Abraham started. Genesis chapter 12. And it says this, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I love the fact it says, and I will make you a great nation. Not that you will make yourself a great nation. You will, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy-five years old when he left Haran. This is the call. The call was, Abram, I want you to leave everything that you're familiar with. In other words, Abram, I want you to leave the world in which you were once in. That's what happens when we get saved. We leave the world that we were once in. We leave those relationships or those situations or those things that tempted us or caused us hurt. We leave those things and we say, I will follow the God plan. The problem is, what happens is, we'll often like uh, Lot's wife. She's, she hasn't got a name, is she in the Bible? Lot's wife. We, we look back at what we once had, and we look at what's in front of us, and we think, I still liked what I once had. When we get saved, we are a brand new being. We are brand new in God. Let's leave the past behind. What did Paul say? Having, um, what did Paul say? Paul said, <laughs> what did Paul say? <laughs> Paul said, forgetting those things that have gone behind, I press towards the call of the upward call of God in my life, forgetting those things that I once enjoyed. Stoning Christians, he enjoyed that. Resting Christians, he enjoyed that. Being religious, he enjoyed that. We are not religious people. We have a relationship with God that is far better than any religion could offer. I am not religious in any shape or form. I'd like to think that anyway, but I have a relationship with God whom I love with all my heart and will serve for the rest of my days on this earth. And Abraham said, right, I'm going to forget this lot. Not, he didn't ignore his family. He didn't say, oh, I'm done with my... He said, I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to be held by my family or by my family traditions. There is a new way. There is a new destiny. And I'm going to walk in it. God wants you to walk in your destiny. Before you ever took a breath, for some of you, that was a long time ago, that first breath. For others, well, you're on that journey of many breaths. But you know what? Before you took your first breath, God had already penned the destiny for your life. He had already written out the days of your life. He knows your moment here today. He knows what your next week is going to look like. He knows all about our journey. The journey from uncertainty. Can you imagine that moment when God speaks to Abraham, said, leave everything that you're familiar with and go that way. But but what is that way? How far do I have to go before I get to where you want me to get? In some senses, it's an uncertain journey, and yet it's got certainty because God said, I don't know what comes next, but I will keep going. I will keep pursuing rather than look back to what I once had. Abraham, or Abraham at this moment, didn't know where the next step was going to be. But by faith, he went. Those first few steps may have been uncertain steps. But we need to move from uncertainty to unshakable and there is, that, that only comes in a journey. It only comes as we get to know him more. It only comes as we become certain and sure on the promises of God. Oh, there's, there's promises that were spoken to Abraham and to Sarah. Oh, you're going to have a child. What did Sarah do? She laughed. Why? She was a very old lady and barren. No wonder she laughed, but that wasn't the end of the journey there was a moment when Abraham said, hey, this is my sister. Hang on. I thought she was your wife. He didn't, he didn't want to get into trouble. He, he had an, he, he, any excuse. This is my sister. Take her. Come on, Abraham. Father of faith, man of God. But do you know what? He was on a journey. We can look at the failings in our Christian journey and say, I keep on messing up. I keep on missing the mark in my life. Or we can say, I made a mistake here, but how can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? How can I mature in the things of God so that I don't keep repeating the mistakes of the past? See, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same things and hoping for a different response. It ain't going to happen. If you want a different response, you've got to put in new information. You've got to go a different way. So Abraham chose to go God's way. How many of us start off well, and then we find ourselves on a detour? And then we find ourselves back on track and going God's way again? And then we go for a bit of a detour. And then we find God again and we go with him again and pursue his way. It, it, life is, is full of little detours along the way. But we can shorten those detours as we trust him. As we walk with obedience in what he says. God wants us to trust him even when we don't know when we, where we're going. it's easy to trust him when we know where we're going that's why I love doing a series because I know where I'm going for the next four weeks it's like oh this is so good because I know next week next week is when I don't know next week and the week after and the week after and it's I love doing a series I like to plan and organize I'm quite a routine person we're when we have a holiday or a week off, I like to know what we're doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and it may vary a little bit, but I like to know roughly what we're going to do. But when I get to a holiday and I think, well, what are we going to do? It's like, oh, no, I've got no plan. I've got no schedule. I've got nothing to work with. What's this week going to look like? If, someone, if the doctor gave me a diagnosis, I wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been expecting You know, like the the prayer request this morning of a person. I'm trying to find it. See, this person wouldn't have been expecting this diagnosis. They were perhaps walking along their merry way, doing their own thing, doing life, working, family, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, they get a diagnosis. See, the word of a doctor is a diagnosis. The word of the great physician is a diagnosis. He said, I am the Lord, your healer. The doctor can pronounce a, 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 a diagnosis over our life. But we can go to the great physician and say, what is your prognosis over my life? What is, your, what is the answer to this that the doctors have said? And we have that choice in our life of whether we look to heaven or we look to earth. And it, when, if, you've, if you've never dealt with a blow that suddenly came, you know, what, what is it, was it partway through COVID was, wasn't it? Partway through COVID when I was diagnosed with having cancer, it's like, where did that come from? Well, it had been on my face for four years, but I didn't know it. It was because I was helping a homeless person get a a doctor's appointment i walked into the doctor's surgery and the nurse said has anybody ever looked at that mark on your face i said no but i'm here for this guy he needs a doctor's appointment she said you need a doctor's appointment i got the diagnosis you've got cancer <laughs> it's like where did that come from i i walked, I, came, I went home i was like I got, I got a car parking ticket that day as well. It's like, why? What? What? Everything happened on that day. Car parking ticket. Diagnosis of a, a cancer. And it's like, what just happened in my world? I went home. I, I had to take photographs and, and send them off because I couldn't have a, a, a direct face-to-face with the doctor. And, and then it, the ball was rolling. But my faith wasn't shattered because I knew in whom I had believed that he was able to deliver me from that thing. Okay, yeah, I ended up with a, with a hospital appointment and they cut my face open. I've, my children very kindly called me Action Man because it was a really decent scar. But I thank the Lord that they found it. It was dealt with and I'm clear of cancer. But... What if you got the same diagnosis tomorrow? What if you were told that your job has been made of n- no longer needed? And you've got the bills coming in. And you've got, you've got the kids' school uniform to think about going back to school. They haven't broken up yet, but you're thinking about it, trying to save for it because it costs a mortgage to get it. What, what diagnosis... Your child has just been run over. Where's faith at that moment? Where's faith in the midst of a crisis? Come on, we've got to think about these things because if I'm going to help you grow in your faith, if I'm going to help you have a, an unshakable faith in the midst of the storm, see, we can, we, can have, we can have our faith which is uncertain. Lord, I don't know whether you would heal. That's no place to be. I I don't know whether you'll provide. Come on, we've got to move from uncertainty to an unshakable faith where we know in whom we have believed. That God will do something in this situation. How many of you would like that kind of faith? One, keep your hands up. One, two, three, four. Oh, okay. Okay, it's a different matter. I'm going to do that every single time now because I ask for a response and so many people just sit there. It's like, come on, let faith, faith, there has to be a response with faith. Okay? So how many of you would like that kind of faith? I'm just going to go around the room having a good... Come on, come on, it doesn't take too much to get that arm up. Come on, yes. I'm still looking for her hands to go up. Come on, let's let's have a response to faith. Because that's what God looks for. God looks for a response to faith. In the midst of situations, when we don't know what comes next, God needs a response from us. Hebrews 11, this is, you know, he didn't know where he was going. Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith in the Bible. See, Genesis 12 through to 20, this passage of Hebrews 11 and Romans chapter 4 are the four, three scriptures that are so key when it comes to faith and trust in him. Okay, Hebrews 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed actually see with his eye that no but he saw with what is the eye of faith he saw with his heart and his heir inherited the promises as it goes as it goes as it goes but by faith he walked come on that's the journey i do not know how it's going to work out but by faith i keep walking oh you know you look at peter in the boat and jesus said come to me peter who, who's going to jump out of the boat in the midst of a storm? Who's going to jump out of the boat when you see the wind and the waves? But do you know what Peter saw that was greater than the wind and the waves? It was the voice, the word of Jesus, come. How much faith do we place upon his word? When Peter heard, come, he got out of the boat. He saw the wind and the waves before he got out of the boat. He was in the midst of the storm and Jesus came walking on the water. He was in the boat in the storm. Then he got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. In obedience and trust in one word, come. Then he saw the wind and the waves again. And it took his eye off of Jesus. It took his eye off the word, the obedience to come to him. He took his eye off the ball, and he began to sink. Come on. In the midst of your journey, there will be moments where you feel like, I don't know what comes next, and you feel like you begin to sink. Keep your eye on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's then that we keep our eyes on him. It's then that we dig deep upon the word. What is this word? It is his covenant. When God cut a covenant with Abram, the Bible says there was a heifer and they cut the heifer in two and there were other, other sacrifices and they cut the heifer in two. Did God do that? No, Abraham did. He cut the animal in two and he laid it on the ground. But in this moment of a vision and an understanding, God Walked with Abraham or Abraham in the blood covenant, and when blood is shed, if you take two tribes from from Africa or two Indian tribes um, in, in in the North, um, North America, and when they cut covenant, something powerful happened: a lesser tribe would try and cut covenant with a stronger tribe. Why because the lesser tribe perhaps we're going to be invaded by another tribe. And therefore, they needed the stronger tribe to come alongside them. And what they were good at, they would exchange with the with the weaponry of a big, big, bigger or better tribe. So they may have been great at pottery. They may have been great at farming. They may have been great at something else, cutting hides and all the rest of it. And they would bring their skill to the other tribe and say, look, we will do this for you. What will you do for us? And the tribes would... would Gather together and become a stronger, but they would cut covenant. Now, that would either be a cut in the hand or a cut in the wrist, and they would mingle the blood between the, the, the chieftains of those tribes. And that's why you call blood brothers, all right? That's why you get the Red Indians. I love Cowboy and Indian films. And I, 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 you know, the blood brothers of, of. It wasn't just, oh, I, I've got a friend, blood brother, brother. It was two tribes coming together to make a stronger force against opposing foes. Here, they cut the, they cut the heather, the heather, heather, heather. <laughs> and the, other, and, they, and it's, the Bible says in Genesis, I think it's 14, 15, that they did a figure of eight walk through the blood. God cut covenant with Abram. Then he changed his name To Abraham. And he put a H in there. Again from the Yahweh. He put a H into Saraiah and Abram. They put a H in there. Of the name of God. To seal the covenant. That you took on my name. And I will now be known known as the God of Abraham. They exchanged names. They exchanged blood. And they exchanged everything that one owned. Everything that you... Own. See, that's what marriage is, isn't it? Jane, everything that you owned before we got married is now mine. And what's mine is mine. No, no, sorry. Everything that you had is mine. And everything that I have is now yours. That's what marriage is, isn't it? And what is marriage? Marriage is a covenant between two people this if we can understand the covenant we understand the bible you understand that god cut covenant with abram and whatever abram needed god said i'll provide i am your exceeding great reward whatever you need abram you need protection you know, there was a moment that Lot decides he's going to go and do his own thing. Then he gets himself into a whole heap of trouble. And, and, and Abraham needs now to send out all his servant of his house to go and rescue nephew Lot. But God is his protection. And in that moment of God's protection, he, he then ties a covenant to God of his, of his winnings and, and all the rest of it. I, I tell you, you understand covenant. You understand this truth. When you're sick, you will turn around to God and say, You are my healer. When you're weak, you'll say, You are my strength. When you're hopeless, you'll turn around and say, You are the hope of my life. When, I tell you, if you get covenant, you can stand when all else is failing. We're going to look at these things in a little bit more. How are we doing? Second thought is this, God wants us to trust him even when we don't know how God will fulfill his promise. When we don't see the answer, we don't know how he's going to do it, but we trust him in the journey. We trust him even though we don't know how it's going to work out. Hebrews 11, again, this is Hebrews 11, 11 and 12, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Remember, she's barren and she's an old lady. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Come on, let's look at the promises of God and let's judge him faithful. All the promises of God are? That's covenant promise. See, if you don't know your covenant, if you don't know what's been promised you, you won't be able to turn around and say, you may be able to say it, but you won't be able to say it with conviction. All the promises of God are yes and amen. I remember that song. That's a good song. No, no, it's the Bible. It's what the word of God says. It's a promise to you. It's a covenant promise to our life. That all the promises of God are yes and Amen. So she judged him, God, faithful, who had promised. Therefore from one man and from him who was as good as dead were born as many as of the stars of the sky in multitude and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So shall your descendants be. What is that? That's covenant promise that God said. From this one moment, you will have a child. He will be the heir in your own house. It won't be Eliezer of Damascus. It won't be some servant in your house. You will, from your own loins, will come this promise. Abraham and Sarah learned not to limit their God. How many times do we limit God? How many times do we say... Oh God, help me! But I, I, help me, but help my unbelief. Oh, we're there. We can all be there sometimes. Lord, help me, but help my unbelief as well. They were too old, but God still did it. Uh, this, to me, is is the New Testament version of power and truth. And I'm just going to read it if I can. It says, "Therefore." Uh, Romans chapter 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it may be according to grace. Everything that you and I receive from God isn't through works, it's by his unmerited, undeserved favor. It is by grace that we receive anything. He said that it may be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed who is all the seed? We are born again of the seed of Abraham. We're not Jewish and we're not of the first covenant, but we are of the second covenant. We are of the second covenant that is made through Jesus Christ. And he said here, and, 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 and those who are of the seed, not only are those who are of the, uh, of the law, which are the Jews, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us, of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Who calls those things that do not exist as though they did? God does. God looks at your life and he sees that it may not exist right now, but he doesn't look at it as if it doesn't exist. He calls it as if it's already in existence. He looks at your life and your you may be unwell but he looks at you and says they are healed. They are the healthy. They are the whole. They are made whole because of the work that Jesus did. And yet that was before Abraham after Abraham. So in verse 18 it says who contrary to hope who contrary to hope in hope believed. See this is this is where it all begins hope is the blueprint this is the blueprint of what god wants for your life it is the written word of god it is what faith builds on i was sharing that with you Sam when not not so long ago this is the blueprint of god's word who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he may become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Even though it was a hundred years old, he didn't consider. He could turn around and said he didn't consider the cancer that was within his body. He didn't consider the bank account that is looking rather, rather uh, lean at this present moment. He could have said he didn't look at the circumstances that it was before him that he was facing. And not being weak in faith, he he did not consider his own body already dead since he was already about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. We look at God's word and we say, Father, I trust you. Because your word says so. I believe that you will come through. I believe that you will change the circumstances. Why? Because your word says so. And he didn't waver in unbelief at the promises of God, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced of what he had promised, he was able to perform. He was fully convinced. Convinced, he had gone from uncertain to unshakable. He had journeyed through. This is my sister when it was his wife. He journeyed through Lot wanting the best, but giving him wanting wanting a particular area and him getting the worst. He had gone through the journey of waiting for seventy uh, for uh, seventy-five years for the heir in his house. Twenty-five years later, appearing. He was fully convinced of what had been promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, but for us also. It was not written for his sake alone. It wasn't just written for Abraham, as written in the book of Romans, but for us also that we would learn to live by faith like Abraham lived by faith, that we would see the promises of God come to pass like Abraham saw the promises of God come to pass. When Abraham was believing for the impossible, God is saying, I did it for him, but I did it for you also that you may believe that I am able. And then he says... And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not that it was written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, whom raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised for our justification. He did what he did in Abraham's life as an example for us to look at and say, we can live like that. We can live with the same kind, but how? How do we do what he did? What will it produce in our life? I believe an unshakable faith stands its ground in the face of all impossibility. But it's got to be grounded. Hope is the anchor to our soul. See, the problem, the problem isn't necessarily our heart. But the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion, what goes on up here, the seed of doubt gets sown here. And if we don't anchor our soul in the word, our soul will be double-minded and unstable in all its ways. But we've got to be anchored in our heart, in the truth. We've got to anchor our soul in truth. An unshakable faith builds a boat in the middle of nowhere when it's never rained and there has never been a flood before. An unshakable faith says, I know it will come to pass. Therefore, for 120 years, I'll build this boat. An unshakable faith says, me and the boy will go and worship and we will return when he knows that he's meant to sacrifice his son upon the altar. But by faith, he says, I see him raised from the dead or God will make another way. But that's how it is for us. God wants that kind of unshakable faith. Unshakable faith will say in the midst of a giant situation, you're too big to miss. I know in whom I have believed and I'm going to wield this sling and take you down. An unshakable faith comes to the the end of a of an end of a desert with an army of Egyptians chasing you, and a and a, a river, a, 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 the sea, of, the Red Sea in front of you, and calls a man to turn around to the rest of them and see, say, "Today you'll see the salvation of your God, and the waters part." God will make a way in a wilderness. He'll make a way in the, in the oceans if he needs to, to get you to a place where he needs to get you. Because there is nothing impossible with God. You may get thrown into a lion's den. That may not be genuine lions, but you may be thrown before your boss with a whole bunch of accusations against you. But in the middle of that lion's den, they will have no hurt over you as you trust in him circumstances will come. I'm not saying we can live by faith and nothing will come our way. Circumstances will come, but they will also come to pass. Passing through the valley of Baca, you will bring me safely through. Baca will come, a place of weeping will come, but you will pass through that valley because it's a faith walk. It's a walk that we need to do. An unshakable faith keeps standing when you've been told incurable, impossible, unlikely to change. But an impossible faith says, I, I will stand, and having done all to stand, I will stand firm, according to Ephesians 6. Come on, church, we need to move from, unsha- to, from this uncertainty to an unshakable faith. An unshakable faith says, I know in whom I have believed. I know in what I believe. The word of God and your relationship with the word Jesus has to get stronger and stronger and stronger as the days go by. I tell you what, we're living in an age where the word of God is so ridiculed in our society, that Christianity is so ridiculed. I'll tell you what, you need faith to stand in the day and age in which we live. And the days in which to come will only get darker and and worse as we go. But our faith grows stronger. Now, let me rephrase that. Your faith will only grow stronger as you develop your walk with him. Because I can't make your faith stronger. I can impart encouragement. I can, I can inspire. But there will be a falling away. That's what the word of God says. Don't be a part of the falling away. Strengthen your faith today. Today is the day of strengthening your faith in the things of God. As we grasp a hold of the promises spoken in the new covenant. See, the old covenant was cut between Abram and God. Abraham's still messed up. The new covenant is between God and Jesus. And Jesus won't mess up and God won't mess up. And that's why he said, we are in Christ. Because you are in Christ, you can't mess this up. You're in relationship with him. And Jesus turned around and says, they're in me. They're born again in me. They walk in me. The just shall live by faith in him. Now, the covenant is in Jesus and will never be broken. This can change your life forever. I'm going to finish with this last scripture. Hebrews 10 verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the promise that you found in God's word. Let us hold fast the scripture that you're believing for, for your family let us hold fast the word of God that you're speaking over your physical body. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without being blown to and fro, without being double-minded, because the Bible says a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. Let us anchor our heart, because he who promised, he is faithful. I want to pray this morning for anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to pray that you come to know him, but I also want to pray for us, that there will be a steadfastness in our life, that we grow deeper with him, that Paul suddenly wouldn't walk through the door and say, are you still needing the milk of God's word, when actually he's saying you should be eating the meat of God's word. So let's just pray this prayer, very simple going to pray this prayer, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or today you're saying, hey, that makes so much sense. I want, to, I want to recommit my life to him. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you all to join in with me, and then I'm going to ask if you're responding to that prayer to pop your hand up, and then we'll give you some booklets for that. Jesus, I come to you today, and I thank you for the covenant that Jesus shed As he hung on a cross in my place to take away my sin, to take away my wrongs, and to give me a brand new life. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you genuinely mean business with God. Not going through the motions, not doing all the silly stuff that I did in the, in, until I got to my early 20s. But today you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump straight back into my relationship with you. I'm giving my life over to you. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely in your heart, I'm going to ask you to respond by picking up, putting up your hand this morning. One, two, three. Have you prayed that prayer this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else in this room? You say, yeah, that's me. Count me in. There's three people with their hands up. Is there anybody else? God knows your journey. God sees you where you are right now. He knows what you need in your life. He knows how to turn around that addiction. He knows how to turn around that issue. He knows how to turn around. Don't fight him. Yield to him. Is there anybody else going to count them from five? Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you for decisions that have been made in this room here today. Lord, you said that there are many in the valley of decision. But, Father, I thank you for those that have responded to you. Lord, for, the, for others in this room, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work and move upon their hearts. But, Lord, for all of us, Lord, I pray, open our heart to the knowledge of covenant truth, that we would walk in obedience And we would walk with trust in your word. And that faith would grow and mature so that it would be like what Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood. I have not seen such great faith, not in all of Israel. Lord, may that be the kind of faith that we as a church grow in. I pray in Jesus' name. Before we close this meeting this morning, if you've got an area of your life that you say, yes, I need, I need prayer, I need a miracle, I need something turned around, if that's you this morning, I'm going to be over here. Everybody else can do teas and coffees, can have the music going, whatever. But I'm here to pray with you this morning and increase that power of God over your life to destroy the work of the enemy. And the sea victory in your life. Amen? Amen? Fantastic. Well, God is good.